Are you guys secret operatives from Russia or something? What's going on here? <laughs> you you underground bots? You're actually a computer program? What's going on here? No, no, we we fight the bots. We do, <laughs> you fight the bots. We're very anti-bot, anti-robot, anti-anti uh, <laughs> anti all of that stuff. <laughs> Just pro internet. Yes, pro internet's helpful. <laughs> uh, the internet works. Everything else bad. You're listening to the Fantasy Football Astronauts. Welcome back to another episode of the Fantasy Football Astronauts. I'm your host today, Rish. You can catch me on Twitter at FF underscore Rish. Jetpack is with me as usual. Jetpack, how are you doing today? Oh, I'm doing great. We have a guest on who's got a ton of knowledge. Um, we were just diving in ahead of the pod, and the depth is unreal. Can't wait uh, to hear more about what he has to say. So we want to welcome John Lobb. You can find him on Twitter at GridironSkull91. At, that's S-C-H-O-L. John, how are you doing? I'm doing great. And, you know, I, I'm thinking back to like 1967 when the guests of this podcast are Jetpack and Rish. I feel like I'm in NASA at Houston in some secret <laughs> cave, you know, trying to get the United States to the moon. I mean, this is awesome. Who doesn't want to be on a podcast with Jetpack and Rish? Come on. It's a dream come true. <laughs> We're really excited to have you on. Um, Jeff is, uh, he's the gridiron scholar, uh, college football and NFL fantasy analyst. Um, he's also a history teacher, so that is going to be really helpful for today's trivia game. <laughs> We're thinking that, uh, that Jetpack, even though he has 450 years of experience in life, <coughs> we're thinking, uh, we're thinking that John may have the upper hand in this one. Um, so, so excited for that trivia game at the end. Let's start things off real quick. How long have you been playing? So, John, how long have you been playing fantasy football? This is my 32nd season. I started <laughs> in 1989. Uh, I was a commissioner of a eight-team league, and we did everything with the USA Today and paper and pen. So that's – and my first pick ever was wow. Dan Marino, second overall. Wow. Amazing. That's that- – that's incredible. You guys you picked a legend. I, you so know, Randall Cunningham went first, believe it or not. If you know how good Randall was back in 1988 and 89, it's silly. That's that, that's awesome. Man, that's uh, so how, the, you may not have uh you may not have a running log of this, but how many championships have you won? I actually do. You, okay. So this is not a humble brag. Just I'm very anal and I'm an historian. So believe it or not, I've kept records of every league that I've ever participated in. I have hard copies from the beginning. Now I have most of it like online or PDF files or something. But I have an Excel spreadsheet. That's how anal I am. In That's amazing. 30, in 31 years, 154 regular season teams I have managed. And to put that into perspective, from wow. 19, 
from 1989 <laughs> to 1997, I only did one league. Finally, by 98, I managed two leagues. And by about 2001, no, 2000, I started, I had five leagues. And obviously, it's just been going up more and more. And you're going to laugh, but I actually have, I have 1,309 wins, 677 oh losses, and 10 ties in those years of playing fantasy football. And I won last year. Oh, my God. Wait, do I have a number here? Oh, I believe it was my 34th championship. That's in incredible. Yeah, 35. <laughs> sorry, 35 championships. I have won in my years in 154 leagues. Actually, that's the one thing I didn't even do. I don't even know what percentage that is, actually. Let me figure that out. Go ahead. Ask your next question for a quick second. That's that's wild. Jetpack, is that is that more uh, leagues than, than you've been in? That is more leagues than I've been in. Man, you've been playing football. I've won 23% of my leagues. Man, that's a wow. that's a great number over over 30 plus years. That's a... That is a solid, solid number, man. Thank you. Now, I've had some bad years. Like 2017 was bad. <laughs> Didn't win a championship. Um, I'm trying to think if there's, let's see, 16, 15. I think uh, in 2013. But every other year, it, I basically won a championship, except for those early ones. Because I, I think I won my first league, which I still have. It's going to be our 32nd season. Goodness I won... Gracious. Out of the, I won three of the first eight seasons in that league. Man, that's that's impressive. Wow, I love. I had no idea that that that's how that's how many. Uh, like that, that's so surprising. I we've had one, maybe one other person that's been playing since the '90s that's been a guest on, um, and Jetpack obviously has been playing since the '20s, but. Um, <laughs> he had Don Hudson and Sid Luckman. That was his, that was his hookup with oh, a little yeah, exactly. Red Grange. A little Red, Red Grange. Grange in the back Red Grange is my guy, man. The Galloping <laughs> Ghost. He had that 602 yards, led the league one year. Yeah, just so, a total baller. That's easily, that's easily the most championships out of anyone that we've had on the show. So oh, congratulations. Far. That's a new record. Oh, thank you. And you know, I when I didn't, I was never in a fraternity. I was in the student newspaper, and I'm an historian, so it was weird because when we started this, it was all of us on college, same campus, right? Um, and we started this league, and I knew it was something that would last. And I don't know why it was an intuition because I knew it was special, and I kept. And I literally have um, file folders with every league record and of those of that one league, it's called the AWFL of every result of every game over 31 years. Wow. Wow. So I'm so thoroughly impressed. It's amazing. John, I, like, honestly, maybe, honestly, maybe the most impressive guest that we've had. Yeah. And we've had, we've had a, a two time national battle bots champion and, <laughs> you're definitely you're definitely uh, competing with that with with Blake that we had on a couple weeks ago. I, honestly, I do, like I might be able to trump you. One more thing, you ready? All right. Oh my! I don't even know if I'm ready. In 1993, I won ten thousand dollars. I beat fourteen thousand nine hundred ninety six players. It was a company called Sports Challenge. 
They advertised in the USA Today. It was a salary cap league. You could only make four moves every week. It was a double bi-week season. So I had 18 weeks and I beat all those people and I still have a copy of the $10,000 check that I won that year. And I have all of the material for my winning. Wow. wow. That's... I, I did it all by hand with a calculator, a pad of paper, and a pencil. That's incredible. That's that's <laughs> the was... year that I was born. Oh, my God. I'm so old. I was... Um, <laughs> let's see. So I graduated college 90... Or my master's in 91. So I was two years out of my master's. So I must have been 25. I think I was 25. Either 25 wow. or 26. Um, but yeah, that's how long. So that kind of got me my start with, um, the football diehards. I had, and they weren't the football diehards back at that time. Um, but I met Emil Cadillac, who's, who I've been friends with ever since. And I've been working with him ever since in different capacities. Um, and that, but that I think back about, wow, there was no advice. There was no, like, all of these stats that we have and all of the, like, this right. is mind-blowing being an old man and even considering what the data that I have available to me. I mean, so much of it was I just had defensive standings, statistics, some intuition, lots of box scores, and lots of hours watching games. Yeah. Oh, man. That's, that's so cool how it's how you start and where everything's at now. I, I want to ask your opinion on yeah. this season then. Um, just having having uh, so much experience uh, being involved in the NFL and, and tracking the NFL with with the weirdness of this season, like what are what are your thoughts just in general? I know I know uh, some news came out recently that um, it looks like some teams just might fly their their players to the location the day of so there's no hotel stays there's obviously less training camp like what are your what are your thoughts on how the NFL is going to adapt this year what the season's going to look like and do you have any tempered expectations for uh, stats this season so I have very tempered expectations I'm very worried about the recent rise in COVID-19 across the country um I I don't know. I don't see how they do it with fans in the stands. First of all, even if they let fans in the stands, I'm not going to go to a live sporting event with 40,000 people. I'm just not. Right. So who knows if the fans even show up? So I think the first thing the NFL has to do is say to themselves, you know what? Can we play these games without fans in the stand? Look, I understand that the revenue from the attendance is important. I get it. But also, the majority of the revenue is generated from television. They're still going to be able to televise the games, right? So mm -hmm. the money's still going to be there. I, you know, I'm worried. What is, we already have seen for fact, uh, Vaughn Miller's had COVID-19. Ezekiel Elliott has had COVID-19. Now, we know those because the players announced it. There's um, HIPAA laws that prevent us from knowing exactly who has it. You know, like I'm like, I love college football. Clemson has 37 players with COVID-19. We don't know who those players are. Is it Trevor Lawrence? Is it Travis Etienne? Is it the defensive lineman? Like who's, but 37 right. is a lot, right? 
but I understand the legality of not knowing who has it, right? Now, there is no way you get I, – I was reading that I think the NFL is going to invite 90 players to training camp. There is no way you bring in 90 players, coaches, personnel. You still have to have cooks and people feed these athletes during the training camp. We, You know, you got to have someone clean the um, hotels or the dorms or wherever they're staying. I don't see how right. there isn't – a. Athletes are going to get COVID-19. What happens the day that Dak Prescott and Andy Dalton both get COVID-19 for the Dallas Cowboys? It's going to happen right. to some team. We know exactly what's going to happen. Clayton Thorson is going to throw <laughs> Clayton, <laughs> Clayton Thorson. Right? I mean, it's going to happen. Right? You're go- What if a defensive – the linebacking crew – you know, in their tape meeting, and one of the players doesn't know they have it right away, and they give it to the entire linebacking crew. So I, I look at no. I, I've told you I played for thirty-one years. I love this game. I went to my first game in nineteen eighty, Shea Stadium, New Orleans Saints, who were um, hadn't won a game with Archie Manning against the Jets and the Saints won. It's one of the most embarrassing losses. Look it up. This they like there were Saints fans <laughs> with bags on their faces. They were so bad that year, but they beat the Jets, right? And it was freezing. They ran out of hot cocoa. This is the old days, man, when I was in that freezing. I mean, if you haven't been in the Northeast when it is beyond cold at a football game, you don't know what it's like. It's it's just it's not like nothing else. And then they run out of hot cocoa. So you're, I'm, I love football. But there are concerns here that I understand that optimistic people and we all want football back. But man, I look at the science. I see what is happening across the country. And I can't just sit here and say, oh, yeah, everything's going to be fine. It, I just don't see how you can come to that conclusion. Yeah, it's... The the it's going to be wild. The uh, the nice thing is everyone, all of the players that get it will likely recover and be fine. The, the statistically, yeah, yeah. It, they'll be they'll be all right. The coaches, on the other hand, I mean, if if you have older coaches or older management, like that's where it starts to get worrisome as a uh, for for the league. Ideally, How about my son and I love Wade Phillips, who just left the Rams, and he, right. you know, he won the Super Bowl's defense coordinator at the Broncos. I think Wade Phillips is seventy three. Right if, now, he doesn't have a job yet, but let's just say he was still around. That would be super high risk. Like, right? And he's overweight, and he might have like high blood pressure. Right, overweight right. seventy three year old man. You know, right. come exactly. on. What's- What's Andy Reid? Andy Reid's a, a, oh, another guy. That, right? you know? I, oh my God, Andy Reid's like sixty six, right, or sixty four? What is Andy? So, so that's more. I mean, that's more where I think because uh, they'll if they have no fans, then I don't think that'll really affect the players. Uh, obviously, the shortened training camp and the the precautions in training camp that's going to hurt the undrafted free agents. Yeah. Um, so all the preparations going to be strange, and I've seen it's been it's been weird. Guys are. Uh, are, are you know managing but 
they're doing it all on their own. They're meeting uh, at high school fields and they're practicing on their own. Yeah. Um, and you see that all across the league. And then obviously none of the players like the idea of, oh yeah, I'm going to fly from city to city and then get off the plane and go play a game. Nobody, nobody wants that. So no. um, it's going to be really, it's going to be a really interesting season. So good. Yeah, to, pretty, I, I like I'll hearing your. As an educator, I'll tell you something else that no one's talking about, but I've said this once before, and I'll tell you guys too. Some of these young men are going to be really good at learning the playbook online. Right. They're going to be visual learners who can retain information in a Zoom or out if they send the playbook out, you know, they they must have PDF files of the playbook, right? They're going right. to send out film and there's going to be some young men who are extraordinarily good at learning that way. Now, there's also going to be athletes and football players who are terrible learning that way. They're kinesiatic learners. They learn through reputi- reputi- uh, repetition and seeing it perform. Like they need to be on the field and see it. Right. And then they need to replicate it. So what's going to happen is you have on a team different style learners. Because I'm a teacher. I understand this concept, right? Now, mm-hmm. we don't know, unfortunately, which players and what type of learners they are. So one of the things that I hear that's interesting, I hear about Joe Burrow being really good on the Zoom sessions. Now, why is that? He has a dad who's a football coach. He's been educated his whole life, and he's able to retain knowledge in that manner. But not every player can do that. And he's smart, right? So you have a lot of things working for Joe Burrow who in enabling him to learn the playbook at this level. Right. Now, not every player is going to be able to do that. And we don't have that access of information. Correct. Yeah. The uh the what's interesting is you can see some of the uh some of the guys like I know Cole Komet has gotten out there with Mitch Trubisky and he's learning from some of these other tight ends. So there's some of these guys that are in the area, like uh, uh, Cole Komet is a, a guy that that's a local guy to Chicago, and so he's able to go out and train with anyone that's in town. And so that's where um, some of these these film sessions online in the Zoom calls can be translated onto the field. So guys guys that are already in the area, yes, they can they can get both. But that's not everyone. That's that's actually very rare. So uh, so th- excellent excellent point on that. Um, Rookies, this is definitely a season to fade rookies, uh, at least for redraft, and not expect much um, out of your rookie picks. Even with the running backs, like even the running backs, it's still as easy as a position as it is to pick up. Yeah, this is not this is not the year where you expect the rookie running backs to be the guy. So redraft, I think that's uh, that's a, a big thing to take note of, and I think that leads us into the that leads us into the questions of dynasty by lows. Sure. And how you manage buying low on guys to win a championship, um, so so guys that you think will have an an impact this year versus remaining a contender for a long time is. Do you have any way that you like to think about that, or any advice for people uh, this year on their buy lows? Sure, absolutely. So I'll say this first: I never sacrifice the future. I've been playing. Dy- this is my sixth year in dynasty. I have to. I played keeper. 
um, that league that I talked about for 31 years is a keeper league. Um, but we only have a, it's a three man keeper league, but I just joined dynasty and I will never trade for the short term. I've been in too many playoff games. I've had too many good teams lose in the playoffs and I've had teams that weren't so good win a championship. So I think there is a percentage of luck that is involved in trading for, I'm going to win this year. I never say I'm going to win this year. And I'll give you an example that happened to me two years ago. It was late in the season and one of the owners in the league was playing for the next year. So he put Antonio Brown on the trading block. And I was like nine and two and the, uh, the another team was nine and two. Of course, at nine and two with Antonio Brown on the block, I've got to inquire, what is the cost? Does that make sense? Right. And I said, all right. I asked him, what would, what do you want? And he came back. He said, first round pick next year. And I looked at my team and I liked my team and it was good. Obviously at the right cost, I wanted Antonio Brown. I said, you know, I can't give you a first round pick. I am willing to depart with the second round because then I still have some ammunition, some draft capital for the following year if one of my players gets traded or I have, there's a catastrophic injury, I still have a first-round pick. The guy said no, and ironically, my opponent gave him Antonio Brown for a first-round pick. Well, here's how the, the strange laws of the fantasy football universe. Guess who I played in the championship game? The guy with Antonio Brown. And guess who won? You did. I did. I won by two. Yeah, baby. And and I won because of Elijah McGuire of the Jets and (laughs) Damian Williams of the Kansas City Chiefs. They And I remember playing the game and my friend was literally on Twitter. We were, you know, like, you know how you have your file open, live scoring. You have your TV. And I have my Twitter open. And he's literally texting me. He's like, can can Elijah McGuire please stop scoring points? And I'm like, nope. I'm like, nope, keep going, dude. And I won because both Damian Will. Now, I had other good players, Kenny Galladay, you know, Alvin Kamara. I And the reason I had Damian right. Williams is a dynasty team with Kareem Hunt. And that was, remember, Kareem Hunt got cut that year. So yeah. I picked up. It was funny because on the waiver wire, one guy picked up Spencer Weir. And I picked up Damian Williams, and I was the winner. And it was Smart mostly – it, well, it was, you know, sometimes luck, right? He had more money. He spent more money on where I decided to invest on the cheaper player, and I won, right? You, you, you never – so I'm always looking for the long term. How can I help my team in the long term? Because I believe if you build a solid roster – with some franchise pieces and you are good in your dynasty drafts in the long term, you will eventually get yourself your championship. I love that. That's Market. that's it's something that's not done often anymore. You see people that are like, Oh yeah, I'm just going to tank. I'm just going to throw whatever uh, out the window and I'll, I'll compete next year. I'm going to rebuild and, and stuff. And so they just sell everything and, and, and build only for the future or they you know try and win only this season so you have a, a end up with yeah. a team with just a bunch of old assets and and all of a sudden you 
you're you're terrible in a couple of years, and uh, it's because you know you traded for AJ Green as he like you know missed seasons, and so uh, yeah. so I love that I advice. Will never, I never tank. I have a, maybe I I'm that. old My now. God. Maybe I'm just an old guy. I would ne- I cannot handle the entire concept of tanking as a sports fan. And I'll tell you why. I'm an Orioles fan, and I've suffered for years. And I remember the 1979 World Series, 1983 World Series. I absolutely love those years with Buck Showalter, Chris Davis, Manny Machado. We had um, uh, uh, who was the great home run hitter who's now on the Twins, Nelson um, Cruz. Great, so much fun. You know what? To win the Eastern Division, to spend every night watching baseball, it's magical. They won 52 games last year. It can't, it's not watchable. It is not even reasonable. I am not paying my money to be loyal to a team that the owner is throwing away the season. No, so I'm philosophically against because a there's no guarantee you're going to get better. I hate that myth. Oh, we're right. just going to be better. Bullshit. Excuse my language, gentlemen. There's no <laughs> guarantees in this life. None. Right. And what am I watching? Ground out after ground out by the third inning. I'm down six to nothing. Are you kidding me? Look at man. Yeah. I've been a fan for a long time. If you don't think there's a difference between 10 and 6 and 4 and 12 as a fan, you're out of your minds. Out of your minds. I want my team to go 10 and 6 again in the playoffs. I'll deal with whatever else happens. Don't give me this. So I can't philosophically do it. It's just crap. I love that. Jetpack Jetpack and I are both very firm believers. I tried to tank for uh, one game when I was – and I won that game, and then I decided I would never tank again. It was like the gods were angry at you. The fantasy yeah, gods was, were mad. I was like, <laughs> you know what? I'm going to start Willie Sneed. And then Willie Sneed went off, and I was like, yeah, Willie Sneed and Golden Tate aren't going to do anything this game. Those are going to be yeah. my my top wide receivers. And then they just wrecked it for one week. And I was like, you know what? Can't do it. Can't. It hurts me too much. And yeah, so hey. ever since then. I still remember my first losing season back in like 2003, 2002, somewhere's in there. And I was playing Tony. Yeah. I was playing (laughs) my college roommate and my friend Tony. And we've been in the league for 31 years. And I had Chris Chambers of the Dolphins on a Monday night. And Tony had sent me an email. There was no text messaging. That's how old we are. And he said, I'm, I'm so he, – he was up by like 13 points. This is not a PPR. It's just a standard scoring yardage and touchdowns. I'm like, whatever, dude. He's talking smack. That night, Chris Chambers scored two touchdowns with like 100 yards. I don't think I've ever been more happy to beat someone when my team went 6-8 and eight as when I beat him on that Monday night game. And then Tuesday morning, he's like, why the hell did you start him? I'm like, dude, I'm trying to win every game. I don't tank. 
I love that so much. Love you know, we need to we need to have you talk to a couple guys in our league, but that's uh that's neither here nor there. Um, <laughs> love love that uh love that mindset. Let's talk about some of our dynasty buy lows, right? Yep. Some guys you can get to fill positions um, that you may have have a need for uh, without breaking the bank, without compromising your uh, long term assets. Uh, and and we'll pick a couple of these guys out and who your favorite are specifically for this season. Um, that these these guys all maybe have a, a couple of years left, so it's not just a one and done type thing. Um, but for running backs, I have a couple listed on the show sheet here. Yeah, who who are your favorite dynasty buy lows for running backs, and uh, and what kind of upside do you see from them this year? I love this question, so I'm going to put it into context. If I had a playoff team, and I never say I have a championship team, I got to get to the playoffs first. Then we'll deal with the playoff challenge. But if I have a playoff team that I feel good about, I'm going to acquire James Conner. I like him this year. I'll tell you why. No one's talking about how old Ben Roethlisberger is. Ladies and gentlemen, I've seen the decline of Joe Namath. Dan Fouts, Dan Marino, um, John Elway, Brett Favre, when you and Peyton Manning, when you go off the cliff as a quarterback, it is sad. I don't know if Ben Roethlisberger is going to go off the cliff yet. However, every sign points to it. So what do I do if I'm Coach Tomlin? I'm going to run the football. I'm going to run the football. And then I'm going to run the football. I'm going to create turnovers on defense. And then I'm going to run the football. And you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to run the football. I'm going to protect my 38-year-old ancient quarterback. I (laughs) cannot let him get hit. Why did John Elway win back-to-back Super Bowls? He had Terrell Davis and an optimistic defense. How did Peyton Manning win a Super Bowl? That he could barely throw the ball 15 yards down the field. But what did he do? He could call up three or four passes. That's all Kubiak did. Peyton, can you give me three passes? I can do it, coach. (laughs) What we're going to do is we're going to run the ball, we're going to run the ball, and we're going to hit the quarterback on defense. That's what the Steelers are going to do. Anyone who thinks that the Steelers are going to go out and have Ben Roethlisberger at 38 coming off a lost season, throwing the ball on 600 times a game, please give me that crack pipe. There is no way that is happening. And look at the defense that Tomlin has put together. He knows more about football than I do. If I figured out how to protect the 38-year-old quarterback, I'm sure Mike Tomlin did. So I'm going James Conner there, my friends. What do you think about that? I love James Conner for this season. Jetpack, what are your thoughts on him? I love that. I actually do have Roethlisberger in the the high uh, 500s, low 600s range of passes just because historically that's where he's been. But, he's 38 um, brother. Yeah, I like I like what you're saying, and I think the, the elbow is is more of a question than yes. it presents such a it's it's such a big deal that 
you know, we compare and we say, oh, Drew Brees is still playing and Tom Brady's still playing. But I think people for people are missing that Brees' pass attempts have come down a lot. Um, oh, and, he's made up, and he's made up with it for, you know, touchdowns. But I don't think that, you know, Ben's going to have the same type of supporting cast that's going to be able to produce like that. So, and Sean yeah. Payne's protected Drew Brees. Right. Drew Brees is, yeah. Remember when he used to chuck it deep 50, 60 yards a game, like a lot? How often yeah. have you seen Drew Brees do that anymore? And I'm sorry. Guys, if you think Tom Brady's still playing good at quarterback, it's not because he's throwing. It's because he's intellectual. He's a football savant. He is not throwing that. I mean, I remember him with Randy Moss. He used to throw beautiful 50. He can't throw the ball like that anymore. Please. No, it's it's definitely changed. That So, I, yeah, it'll be really interesting to see how those offenses kind of that, that are built, right? Arian's offense is built on attacking vertically. It's the same with the Steelers. So it'll be really in- interesting to see how those those guys change as they age. But I totally agree with yeah, you. Yeah, Arian's is a fascinating. Arian's yeah. is fascinating. How much will he change? Yeah, absolutely. Um, but I, I love the James Conner take and the idea that he's a buy low. I think with a lot of these guys, my theme as far as buying low on people is buying guys that were injured last year. And if they're, if they're young – that I'm not as afraid of those injuries. And so James Conner is going to fall right into that category. And I, I really like that a lot. So he's two years away from being, you know, a, a running so back. It's one, interesting. So. Yeah. And, you know, so Le'Veon Bell is fascinating. I like him in redraft if I'm desperate. Does that make sense? I'm, mm-hmm. I'm not a believer in Adam Gase. I think he's a terrible coach. Right. But Le'Veon Bell's by far the best running back on that roster. LaMichael Pirine, please. I liked him. I saw him at college. He's not ready to be a lead back in the NFL. Okay, people? So just forget about that. I'm totally out on the David Johnson. Look at the guy hasn't done anything since 2016. Stop it. Stop waxing poetically. Stop it. I'm done. I'm done. Okay. I had the fantasy. I drafted him in the first round that year and I drafted him the next year in the first round. I haven't owned him since. Get off the David Johnson fantasy. (laughs) It ain't happening. I'm I'm getting Duke Johnson in the 12th round, 13th round. Now, Gurley's the fascinating one. The volume's going to be there, but is he going to be efficient and can he stay healthy? Those are questions that everyone has to answer. He's the toughest of the ones you gave me here. He's the toughest evaluation. With uh, the price tag of running back 33 in startups right now, and that's across several different platforms, um, is that a price you're you're willing to pay for that risk? Um, because, I mean, his, his upside is incredible. But so, is, is that kind of value something you're willing to pay for a season or two? So in a dynasty startup, so I'm actually in a draft right now with dynasty startup, and I, I'm in round five, 16 team league. I do not believe Todd Gurley's gone off the board, actually, if my memory serves me. So I, I have five players right now um, in this startup. So I will say this. If Gurley's there in the seventh round, I would probably take him only because I think in a flex spot, at least for this year, and it's PPR scoring, I think there's value there, and I'll deal with next year, but I'm not going to go earlier than the seventh round on him. Yeah, that, and that's the that's the price tag that I, in startups right now is around the eighth round, uh, running back 33. I think 
for He's me, I think that's fair. Yeah, I, I think that's plenty. You could definitely um, bump them up a couple slots there for me, um, especially when guys like Le'Veon Bell uh, are, are going running back 15. You know, like that yeah, to yeah. me, that feels like they could have very similar uh, seasons this year and next year and the following year. And you have to get one in the fifth. You have to get one as running back 15 in the, the third, fourth round. And the other one you can wait till the sixth, seventh, eighth round to get. And I feel, so, so Todd Gurley, I feel like at that value is absolutely incredible. I agree with you there. Gurley's a better value in the eighth round than Le'Veon Bell in the third round. I agree. So we've mentioned a bunch of older guys who have already broken out, have productive careers, been to the Pro Bowl, all that kind of stuff. Who are some guys that you see as good values just because they haven't shown anything yet? So I'm going to say one who I'm keeping on my dynasty rosters and listeners might think I'm crazy. I'm going with Daryl Henderson. Acquire him for nothing right now. Everyone believes it's Cam Akers. Most likely it's Cam Akers. But I'm old enough to remember when Kajana Carter blew out his knee in the first preseason game against the Detroit Lions when he was the first pick overall of the Cincinnati Bengals. I could give you a litany of running backs who never made it with high draft capital and look like all the promise in the world. You could probably get Daryl Henderson now for a fourth round, maybe a fifth round dynasty pick. I like the value there. The one thing I've learned in dynasty football and life, there are no guarantees. So he still was a third round draft pick last year. I liked him coming out of Memphis. I knew it would take some time to transition into the NFL and into that run blocking scheme. He's basically available for nothing right now. I absolutely love him. Another player you can get for nothing, in my opinion, Justin Jackson of the Los Angeles Chargers. I get it. I get it. Austin Eckler's the guy, and everyone wants Joshua Kelly. We're not sure Joshua Kelly. Look, I like Joshua Kelly. Don't get me wrong. I had him number eight in my pre-draft rankings. I love the film, love the skill set, love the athletic ability. But people are just overlooking Justin Jackson. Justin Jackson is not going away. He's going to make the team. Now, you're also talking about a rookie who hasn't been in the NFL making a huge jump where Jackson's been two years on the Chargers already. He's going to know the system. He's going to know the language. He's played with Tyrod Taylor. I like him at that cost very much. I think you can get him, too, at a good price. And actually, you know one guy I'd buy now? Philip Lindsay. Obviously, it's Melvin Gordon's team. Philip Lindsay has been too productive, and he's too good of a player just to disappear. If you can get Philip Lindsay at the right price, he is going to make a difference in games over the next two seasons. We just don't know when at this moment. I love that. Philip Philip Lindsay is such an interesting guy, you know. How many pro bowlers are available for as cheap as he is? Back yeah. back thousand yard seasons. Yeah. I mean, and you know, I was watching some tape on him as a blocker. He is a nasty SOB picking up the blitz. He's <laughs> going to be on the field, folks. And has Melvin Gordon always been healthy all season long? 
Never. No, sir. Never. You know what? And and look it. Let's say Gordon plays 14. Let's say he plays 12 to 13 games this year. Still means Lindsay's going to be on the field for three or four. And then who knows next year when Melvin Gordon's 28. I like I like Lindsay at this price. Yeah, absolutely. A big, big Philip Lindsay skill fan. And Justin Jackson hit the nail on the head there. We uh I, I love I do love Joshua Kelly. I think he's a great back. I think especially this season, just like what we were talking about at the beginning, it is Justin Jackson's spot that that uh spell back for Austin Eckler. That's Justin Jackson's spot to lose. It's not Josh Kelly's spot to lose, right? So you, yeah. you get you have the benefit of the doubt to the guy that's been there. So Yeah, so what that. if what if Eckler gets hurt week one? Who are you going to put in in week two? Joshua Kelly or Justin Jackson? Justin like, Jackson. Of course. Right? I mean, it's, to me, it's not even a question. And Jackson's been good. He hasn't been great. I played him, you know, when you have these big 12-man starting lineup dynasty leagues with 30-man rosters. And right. Justin Jackson's getting a start. You're like, woohoo! Put him in the flex, you know? <laughs> and, you know, he's been okay. So I like him absolutely at this price. All right. So uh, let's move into wide receivers. Um, again, it seems to be the theme with wide receivers is you either have the uh, older player that's kind of over the age apex uh, or the young player that has not really broken out. And those are your two options if you want to uh, have cheaper wide receivers um right like everyone else is going to be when you have the the players that are that are the michael thomas the jujus the um kenny galladay's alan robbins is all within that that young age range uh a 26 27 and under that's where you have to pay the premium to get these wide receivers but as soon as you cross over that age 27 as soon as you start hitting 28 29 that's where the players start getting cheaper or like uh, two of the guys on this list, they're going to be guys that were rookies or second year or third year guys that didn't break out but have shown flashes. So uh, I'm going to throw some names out there and I want to hear your thoughts on uh, Adam Thielen, AJ Green, T.Y. Hilton, and then Preston Williams and Steven Sims uh, as the younger guys. So of those, and uh, for reference, Adam Thielen's uh, going off the board as wide receiver 23 in Dynasty. T.Y. Hilton, wide receiver 24. A.J. Green down at 40. Preston Williams at 62. And Steven Sims outside the top 74. So um, you're getting some good value for for guys in there. Who are, who are your favorite guys uh, for this upcoming season that aren't going to break the bank? I love T.Y. Hilton. Look, it, before he got injured, he was still playing good football. He is one of the, I mean, I maybe, I don't know. I have a man crush on T.Y. Hilton. I've had him for years and I watched a lot of film. He can still play football very well. Look it. Phillip Rivers got the ball into Keenan Allen's hands. He's going to get the ball into T.Y. Hilton's hands. And I don't think, T, now I think he's past his prime, right? But I still think he's got two or three thousand yard seasons in him if he can remain healthy. I like T.Y. Hilton a lot. I'm very worried about A.J. Green. I'll 
older, bigger receivers. I like in general, and these are generalizations, I tend to like the smaller receivers like Emmanuel Sanders, Antonio Brown, T.Y. Hilton. As they age, they tend to age a little better. The big receivers, Calvin Johnson, Julio Jones, A.J. Green, Demarius Thomas, once they lose it with their body type and their size, they go off the cliff quicker in general than the smaller players. So I like T.Y. Hilton. A little worried about A.J. Green, but I could understand at wide receiver 40 in round eight, kind of like Todd Gurley, you might have to take the price just because of the, the return for this one season. But Dynasty, I'm not in love with. Adam Thielen, you know, I'm neutral on him. I'm not seeking him. I'm not trading him. I'm like, okay, I get it, right? Like, it's it's nice. You got Kirk Cousins. I get the offense will be funneled through him, the passing game at least. But I'm not looking to actively acquire him. I'll tell you the guy who I would get for nothing right now, Steven Sims. I watch Steven Steven Sims a lot of Kansas. He's a good football player. Underrated. Now, I'm not – he's not going to go out there. I don't think he's a pro bowler. I don't think he's going to be a superstar. But I think at the cost, and considering when you look at this roster at wide receiver, other than Terry McLaurin, they just got a bunch of guys. Steven just some Sims, jacks out there. Yes, yeah, Steven Sims has as good of odds as anyone else earning a starting position on Washington this year. Look at 34. And, and even better. Yeah, I mean, I like it. And I've been reading really good reports on him. I'm old enough. You mentioned I love college fantasy football. I had him on my college fantasy football team in, you know, for two, I think his last two seasons at Kansas. Look at he's exceeded what I thought he would do as a pro, but man, he's 5'10, 176, and the Redskins like him. Great reports coming out of Washington. Yeah, and I think that's more of a do you think Dwayne Haskins can support a second wide receiver? Uh, well, obviously, there's, there's going to be one, but can he, can Dwayne Haskins um, in his second year, or I mean, even at all, do you believe in his ability to uh, to support Steven Sims as a, a wide receiver three? And I think for me, the answer is yes. Like Steven Sims is, is a guy that I want on all my rosters because he's basically free. Yeah. Um, what are your thoughts on Haskins? Well, so here's a good question. I don't give up on Haskins. I'm old enough to remember when Jared Goff was terrible his first year in the league. I'm also Jared, I'm <laughs> I'm really old. I remember guys um like Troy Aikman didn't play rookie year. Carson Palmer didn't play rookie year. Now we live in a different era, so the the young quarterbacks get fed to the wolves much quicker. Dwayne Haskins probably should not have played last year. If it was 2004, they would not have put Dwayne Haskins on the field. First of all, he didn't have enough starts at Ohio State. Remember, he was basically a one-year wonder. He, I like to see a prospect with 30 starts in college. Dwayne Haskins didn't hit that threshold. So because of that, I knew his career was going to take a while to get off the the ground. Then, 
he was in a terrible situation with, I mean, I love McLaren, but he was a rookie, right? So he's thrown into a ground-oriented system with a very uninnovative coach, let's just leave it at that, who probably wasn't coaching up the quarterback position, wasn't putting Dwayne Haskins in a position to succeed. So I'm not giving up. I'm actually acquiring Haskins because he's pennies on the dollar. I like him. Um, Here's what's going to happen. He either shows you improvement and shows you promise. And if he does that, then he can make more than one receiver relevant. If he fails, there's two guys named Trevor Lawrence and Justin Fields, and the Redskins will just move on from him. So I'm okay with Sims because either way, they're going to fix the quarterback position. Yeah. No, that's totally fair. And you have a uh, new head coach and, and all yes. of that. So it, all, all things are looking up in that offense. What are and your remember, on? I don't think he's a great – Ron Rivera is not a great offense coordinator, but he's smart enough. He did help Cam Newton right away. And I do not think Dwayne Haskins – is Cam Newton. Don't get me wrong. They're not even in the same boat as leaders of men, as prospects, or any of that. But Rivera will put Haskins in a better situation to be successful. Yeah. No, I'm I'm totally with that. Way, way better than Gruden there. Um, yeah, Gruden hated on, him. Yeah. Like, <laughs> it was ridiculous. Like, it just he just didn't even give the kid a chance. Tell me about Preston Williams. Uh, he came out uh, undrafted free agent last year. Now he's going to have uh, Tua throwing him the ball long term. Uh, he looked incredible before before the Devontae Parker breakout. Preston Williams was breaking out all over the place. Yeah, yeah. Torching tools. What do you think of him at, at, at the wide receiver 62? Obviously, post Devontae Parker uh, breakout, maybe that that dampens his value a little bit. What do you think of him with with two paired with Tua now? So let's. I'm going to go back. If people don't know the background on Preston Williams, he started at Tennessee, and he had some challenges. And I don't, you know, you read the reports and all this, but I try. Let's just say it didn't work out for him at the University of Tennessee. He's a young man. We all make mistakes. I've made plenty of mistakes. Then he transfers to Colorado State. Doesn't play at all in 2017. He is 6'4", 210 pounds. When he went to the Mountain West Conference with the Rams, he absolutely dominated the competition. The numbers are silly in 2018. 96 receptions, 1,345 yards, 14 touchdowns. Unbelievable. The reason why he wasn't drafted is because of some of these off-the-challenge problems. He landed in a great spot to have an opportunity with the Miami Dolphins last year, and he took full advantage of it. Totally respect the young man who has been able to turn his life around on and off the field and did a very good job. Now, I am worried about the injury because I believe he's not going to be available early in the season. Correct? Last I looked, he's not. it doesn't look like he's going to play in early in the year. Am I... Am I correct in that? Is my old man memory? I don't think yeah. he's, right? he's recovering from that ACL. It'll, it, it might be a couple weeks. I don't remember exactly the timeline yeah. for him, but uh, he, he's recovering from that ACL tear, I believe. He, yeah, uh, yeah, he should so have a shot to play. He, 
What? He should have a shot to play, but I mean, oh, I think I it was think- like a, a week, week nine or week eight, something you like see, that. See, that's what I'm so. kind of thinking. I yeah. don't think he's going to play till the second half of the season, right? So, and I think people like now. If I could get a good price, I'll take it. Does that because he especially might have Tua throwing the football in two seasons, right? And I'm a big Tua guy. So if two, if he can rebound health wise in 2021, he has Tua behind center throwing him the football. They get that offensive line fixed in Miami. They re-signed Devontae Parker. I really like Preston Williams as a teammate of Devontae Parker because I think Preston Williams is a little bit matchup dependent. I don't think he's an alpha dog. He's not Julio Jones. He's not, um, you know, T.Y. Hilton who go man, oh, man, with your top corner. However... If you have him as your second option and he has the physical mismatch against other cornerbacks, I think Preston Williams will succeed. Boom. You heard it here first. I love I love Preston Williams. I'm still nervous about Devontae Parker uh, because he's shown it once now and I've been a Devontae Parker uh, guy Tinder. for a while. I've wanted to. <laughs> More of a hoper, I think. Hoper. <laughs> I think Devontae Parker Hoper is is a better term for me. Um, so I'm still I'm still having been burned several times by Devontae Parker. I'm still hopeful for this season, yeah. but I'm I'm not I'm not putting all my eggs in the Devontae Parker basket. So I think Preston Williams is a great backup option and and maybe he takes the wide receiver one role from him. Who like that's still something that's totally a possibility for me. Um. Yeah. I, see, again, I'm weird. I believe in the simpatico of the pair. Like I think Tyler Boyd is better because of AJ Green now because of T Higgins. I right. do believe that some players benefit from having other players on the team. Like Calvin Ridley is better in my book because of Julio Jones. Exactly. So we, we'll we'll see if that's the same thing. Hopefully, Preston Williams gets to start a good number of games this year. Uh, yes, he was he was exciting to see, and it's a cool cool story. Um, oh, great with, story! Great story! So I agree. You're always cheering for guys like that to uh, to have the turnaround and then have a, a good career. Yeah. Um, awesome. All right, let's hit uh, let's hit quarterback and tight end really quick, and then we'll get into this uh, this game here. Quarterbacks. Just a couple guys that are going um, that are going later that you can fill in for a couple years. Jared Goff outside of the top twelve quarterbacks. Uh, Tom Brady in the twenties. Drew Brees in the twenties. I know you mentioned Jared Goff earlier. Is is quarterback especially in superflex leagues? Is quarterback thirteen something where you're like, okay, I, I would I would trade for him. Um, and then Brady and Brees in, in the twenties. Even though you're only getting a year to two, a year or two. Is the efficiency in their, even though their um, physical tools may have dropped off, is their ADP, is their value right now enough where you're saying, I want to buy these guys low, or are you going after someone different? I'm all in Jared Goff. I love the price. I just, in the league, in the dynasty startup that I was telling you about, I, I drafted Carson Wentz, and I'm hoping 
to come back later in the draft and acquire Jared Goff as my backup. Obviously, I'm going to take Jalen Hurts also. Because in, in, Dyna- in big, we have a 50-man roster. So this is a monster league. I think you have to get your backup on the quarterback, especially with good coaches. But I would love to have Wentz, Goff, and Jalen Hurts as my quarterbacks. So I love Goff long-term. Look it, I get it. He's up and down. I get it. He's never going to be the best fantasy quarterback. But if you have injuries, if you have someone who you have to play, I like Jared Goff at any moment, at any time. So I'm totally cool with that. I will be honest. I'm not interested in Brady or Breeze. Let someone else have him. I I mean, maybe if I had, let's say I had, um, I don't want to jinx this, but let's say I had um, uh, uh, Russell Wilson and I lost him in week 10, then maybe I would play Brady or Breeze. Like trade for him, you know, as desperate. But that's not something you're doing preseason. No, not no interest. No, that's wow. uh, that's fair. I like I like the breeze. Um, Brady, I think his his weapons make him a good value for this season. Uh, again, you're you're getting two years out of him. Breeze, same thing. I believe he's got two years left. Uh, the jetpack. I'll let you talk a, a little bit more about them because I think you have a little stronger opinion there. It might be even opposite there, but uh, but I think. If you're if you're going into the season and and Brady or Breeze is your in a super flex league, Brady or Breeze is is your second quarterback. Maybe you don't love it, but but I, I'm not I'm not opposed to having them, especially uh, at that value. Jetpack, I, I'd love for you to speak on this a little bit. Yeah, I I love the value on Bre- uh, Brady specifically. Um, I just think the the weapons are too good and the offense is um, you know pretty interesting. So from a standpoint of kind of where I'm putting him, I, I have him as a low QB one in the like 11, 12 range, which is what he was last year. I mean, last season he was QB 12 and I think that's totally reasonable um, as far as like where I'm going to rank him. If I'm doing projections and I have everybody healthy and I have no questions about um, Brady's health specifically, I have him up pretty high. He's, he's like QB seven for me just on, on health, uh, like without any health concerns. So I'll do it like an injury layer a little bit later. Um, but as far as like how the engine or the offense will run, I'm I'm a big fan of what they're doing there. Hey, I and oh please don't know I'm not always right. I don't even pretend to be everyone. <laughs> but and, and look at I, I understand everything you said. And if someone else go for it, like I just I'm kind of on the young side, and and maybe that's my own bias, and it's ironic because I'm old. But that's just how I tend to manage my dynasty teams. No, sure, that's yeah. totally fair. That's totally fair. Um, so tight ends, I picked I picked a couple guys that are uh, right around the same ADP. So we have Hayden Hurst at tight end 17, Mike Gesicki at tight end 13, and Jonu Smith at tight end 14. Um, when you're outside of the top 10, which of these guys is a guy that you want? Because I personally like all of them. Um, I have multiple shares of uh, all three. But which of these guys are you thinking, okay, at Definitely for the the 2019 season, I can see them outperforming ADP and and then absolutely beyond. But which of these three guys uh, are the most appealing to you? I'm salivating over all three. So this is the hardest decision I've had all night. But I'm going for home run, ceiling, all pro potential. He was my number one tight end coming into the out of the draft. 
Mike Jacecki. Absolutely right. love. I absolutely loved him at Ohio or Penn State. He was my number one guy at the combine. He blew it out of the water, everyone. His athletic ability is off the charts. And they use, I think I was reading, and I'm more of a narrative guy and like eyeball guy than stat guy. So if I don't use a lot of stats, just I've learned football a different way. But I like them. Just I just don't use them all the time. But Jacecki, I think, had like some like average target depth that was like crazy for the tight end. Like yeah. they 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 were running him deep down the field. And when you see that at a tight end, that is gold. And I will say this: I go all the way back to Ben Colts when he was with the New England Patriots in the early '90s with Drew Brees. Oh, and Ben go. Coates, and I could even go further back with Kellen Winslow. <laughs> they were the first two tight ends that I really remember that could attack the defense 35 yards on a consistent basis right down the seams. Jacecki has that high, high upside. And then I love Jonu Smith. Love him. Absolutely love him. But Jacecki has a higher ceiling. That's fair. Yeah, I, think, I totally agree yeah, with that. I, I think, think the, uh, I have the, the path to volume for Janu. I think is a little bit better than what you're going to get in Miami. Um, because, yes, but but I think I totally agree with you as far as uh, Mike's ceiling there. I mean, he's such a freak. He's got such a great chance such to a, uh, really turn such a great chance, dude. Yeah. He, I mean, I don't know. If people weren't watching the Miami tape, or or they just weren't paying attention. Jacecki played great the second half of the season. The yep. light bulb went off. Like it went yeah, off, folks. Yeah, yeah. I had I I have him in one league and I've kind of uh just been holding on to him, waiting, proclaiming myself. Um in the group chat, I'm just proclaiming myself as the tight end whisperer, hoping <laughs> that uh hoping that Kasiki <laughs> has a phenomenal season this year. Uh just totally speaking that into existence. Um, <laughs> no. I, I love that though. Uh, I think I think the the analysis is just so sound with all of these things, um, and especially when you take into um, consideration your uh, your thought process of you're never going to compromise the future because of all the 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 variability that can happen in the season. So um, just keeping that in mind it makes these all of these decisions so much easier because okay you can you can get two guys for a similar price just take the the cheaper one because there's so much variability there's so many injuries that can happen especially in a crazy season like this so um so loved loved all of that um before we get into our trivia quiz game is there anything you want to leave our listeners with just enjoy the game no matter what yes i love to win we all love to win but at the end of the day, this is about fun. And it's about, I've lost some games and my friends still make fun of me at our annual draft. And you know what? It's part of the camaraderie. It's part of the enjoyment. Luckily, I have more victories to brag about than losses. But I've got plenty of losses that they can dig me at. And, and it's still about the joy of the game. <laughs> Gotta love it. Never forget that. All right, fellas. Are you ready for the trivia quiz game? I think so. I'm ready. I <laughs> hope Jetpack. I do well. Jetpack, how many uh, how many galactic credits is this one worth? Oh, this is worth 200. These games are big time games. 
So, John, if you've never used or earned any galactic credits, uh, they're they're as good as money, and okay. um, and you can use them for different wagers on Twitter. Uh, Jetpack <laughs> is the wh- what's your official title title with the Galactic Bank? I yeah, I am the Galactic Bank. Are you the, just the chief that's money the maker? official title. <laughs> Jetpack <laughs> Bank. Jetpack is the galactic bank, so he gets to uh, he gets to print out all the all these galactic credits. So this one's worth two hundred. If you can win it, you jump up the leaderboard uh, pretty quick <laughs> in, in galactic credits. I think you'd be top three. Can I use them on Amazon? <laughs> you know, you can We're use them wherever yes! you can use them. You can use them for whatever somebody will buy them for you. Whatever you can <laughs> okay. exchange. Sounds good. Yeah. Sounds good. <laughs> All right, so um, the way this is going to go is I will read the question. I will read four answers, and uh, so this will be multiple choice. I'll read four answers, and once I have finished reading the fourth answer, whoever answers correctly first wins the question and gets the point. Um, If you guess and get it wrong, you have to wait for the other person to give their guess uh, before you can answer again. Make sense? Yep. Sounds good. All right, so this is U.S. President's Trivia. I picked this without even really realizing that uh, that John was uh, a history teacher. Unreal. So this is, I, I was, I'm going to embarrass Jetpack, myself. Jetpack today said, hey, what, what's our, what's our uh, trivia going to be? And I said, ah, U.S. President's. Not even, like, didn't even consider it just the first thing that came to my mind. So here we are. U.S. President's Trivia. Question number one. Who ran for president with the campaign slogan, Vote Yourself a Farm? Was it Abraham Lincoln, Grover Cleveland, Thomas Jefferson, or James Blaine? Boy. Uh, Abraham Lincoln. Yep, anyone can answer. Abraham Lincoln, Grover Cleveland, Thomas Jefferson, or James Blaine? I'm going to go Grover Cleveland. That is incorrect. Ooh, wow, Jetpack, oh, you have a legendary oh, opportunity here. I'll take – I don't even know who James Blaine is. I'll take uh, Thomas Jefferson. It was not Thomas Jefferson. Oh. This is a – who do you got? I'm going to have to – it doesn't make sense, but he might have used it. Lincoln? It was Lincoln. Yeah, because I think of the woodchopper. He was on a eight- farm. Yeah, in 1860, wow, Abraham okay. Lincoln yeah. ran for president with the campaign slogan, Vote Yourself a Farm, referring to the Republican Party's promise Party. to support legislation granting free homesteads to settlers of the Western frontier. And they actually passed the Homestead Act when he was president wow. in the Civil War. So oh, it does course. make sense. <laughs> but, but, I, but I think of Lincoln in different ways. So that, that's a good question. The uh, four years later during the Civil War, his slogan was "Don't swap horses in the middle of the stream." <laughs> That's great. That's great. And he was actually running against the general George McClellan, who he had fired um, oh during the war, and and eventually replaced with Ulysses S. Grant. But yeah, McClellan and Lincoln didn't get along. Yeah, I bet. Wow, that is that is uh, a deep cut I love that. you know what we yeah, should do is. john you, you will we'll have rich ask the question and then we'll do the answers not and then you tell us just a little bit about what you know about about the answer that'd <laughs> no be amazing <laughs> all right uh next question is how many future u.s presidents signed the declaration of independence was it two zero four or six 
two. It was two. Jet yes. Ties it up. John, can you tell us who the two uh, future U.S. presidents were that signed the Declaration of Independence? Why, no one is Thomas Jefferson. Yep. And then, so the question, and what I was trying to mull over is John Adams and James Madison, and it was in Philadelphia, and um, I'm going to say it's John Adams, but I could be wrong, but I'm going to say John Adams. Yeah, oh, I totally agree. Thomas Thomas Jefferson and John Adams. Oh, right. I'm like, was James Madison there? And if I had known, if I could get it quick enough, I would have said then it's either four or two. So I was, that, that's where it took me. But okay, Adams and Jefferson. Wow. That's uh, had, here's a great story. One of the dirtiest elections in the history of the United States was 1800 between John Adams and Thomas Jefferson. John <laughs> Adams had been the vice president under Washington. He hated the vice presidency, ironically. Then he becomes the president and Thomas Jefferson runs against him. Now, in the election, they attacked each other viciously. And if you don't know, Thomas Jefferson wrote a Bible without miracles. Thomas Jefferson didn't believe in miracles. He was a man of the Enlightenment and a scientist and an inventor. So John Adams attacked him as being an atheist in the 1800 election. And he also attacked Jefferson for having children with Sally Hemings. Because it was like rumored at that stage. Now we know it's true. Wow, that's wow. the the first. Vicious. That's got to be the first real like scandal election. Yes, yes, yes. It definitely was the first skin. No question about that. Sounds yes. like there's always been scandal. Yeah, yeah there's some pretty dirty did. stuff if you go through the 1900s. Yeah. <laughs> Very. All right. Um, next question is. Who and I think I think John's got a, an upper hand here because I honestly I'm, I'm just going for guys, speed. I'm yep. just going for speed. <laughs> <laughs> Who was the only U.S. president to also serve as Chief Justice of the Supreme Court? Was it Rutherford B. Hayes, William Howard Taft, William McKinley, or Fl- Franklin Pierce? William, William Howard Ma- Taft. That's too oh, easy. Dang. The only man to serve both. And actually, across from my school, there's the Taft Hotel and in New Haven. I teach in New Haven. And when William Howard Taft went to Yale, he stayed in that building. And the, the Taft Apartments is named after him. And his father, I believe it was his father, might have been his grandfather, but I believe it was his father started Taft school which is a prep school in watertown connecticut so i knew a lot about william howard taft wow and he was the fattest not and i'm an overweight guy but he was the heaviest president (laughs) and he actually one of the best things my kids always laughed they had to cut him out of the presidential bathtub because he got stuck in it when he was president oh yeah (laughs) i know that's a classic that's a classic that's a classic yeah jetpack is that who you were going to guess as well no, I was going to guess uh, the other William that you said. William McKinley? Yeah, that was my guess, yeah. yeah so. But again, going for speed here. Yep. All right. Who was the first U.S. president to be married in the White House? Oh. Was it Martin Van Buren, Benjamin Harrison, Chester A. Arthur, or Grover Cleveland? 
You mean actually married, not you married. married. It was Arthur. In, yes, inside of the uh, inside of the White House. No, it was not Chester God. A. Arthur. Um, I think is it Grover Cleveland? It, it is Grover Cleveland. Because <laughs> I, I I remember he was a bachelor. Like he was like one of the only bachelors I believe to ever be to be elected president. Now I know Woodrow Wilson's wife first wife or something died when he was, and then he got married and that was a scandal. But yeah, so it's Grover Cleveland. That is interesting. So I, I knew he's, he was a bachelor at one time. He's also the first president to have a child born in the white house. So wow. oh, inter- and he's the only president to be elected twice, but a four year interval in between he won, he lost and then he got reelected and won. Oh, wow. That's interesting. I didn't know that, man. All right, well, uh, John's up three to one. Jetpack oh, speed, one. speed uh, has been good on one of these, but you know you're picking the wrong guy. It's all right. I, I, I'll get this next one. <laughs> what U.S. president had a pet mockingbird named Dick? Thomas Jefferson, Dwight Eisenhower, Richard Nixon, or Millard Fillmore? Jefferson. It was Thomas Jefferson. Let's go. I was going to say Jefferson because on the Lewis and Clark expedition, what? they brought back. No, they brought back like they actually did like massive amount of research on all the um, new plants that they saw. They did their mapping. They collected plants and they actually collected animals and brought them back for Jefferson. So I was thinking that that totally makes sense. Man. I had this. I had similar reasoning. I thought, you know, <laughs> Jefferson. He probably likes birds, based on what I've seen in, uh, yeah, just just general history and knowledge that I have. That was my guess. You know, they were the first. You know, it's funny. You know, a prairie dog's not a dog, right? It's basically like a, a rodent on the Great yeah. Plains. But yeah. the but the Lewis and Clark expedition called him a prairie dog. That's where the name came from. <laughs> That's hilarious. <laughs> It's like right. it looks like a little ugly rodent. <laughs> I love I I love this. This is this my is favorite so trivia game we've ever had. All right, J- Jetpack has bumped back up. It is now three to two. Which U.S. president had a nervous breakdown at the age of twenty-four and spent time in a sanitarium? Uh, Was it John Tyler, Harry Truman, Warren G. Harding, or Zachary Taylor? Zachary Taylor. It was not Zachary Taylor. Come on. Zachary Taylor's the war hero from Mexican. Oh, from he would Mexican not have a nervous breakdown. Yeah. No. Well, he was at West Point. So, yeah, it would have been. So, um, Harry S. Truman was Eisenhower. Who were the three? The other three? John Tyler, Harry Truman, and Warren G. Harding. I'm going to say Warren G. Harding? That's, that's correct. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> Unreal. I knew it couldn't be Truman because I know a lot about Truman. I read yeah, Truman, no. I, yeah, I knew that. So then Definitely I had to say, not. yeah, it had to be someone relatively new. And Harding was was late enough where you could have survived an asylum. It was hard to survive an asylum before <laughs> the 20th century. Man, I'm so, I'm <laughs> so wildly impressed. Oh, All right. I have a primary yeah. source that I give the kids. From asylums in the 1920s, oh, um, it's it's it it makes it brings tears to your eyes. The conditions that they lived in. Oh my gosh, you are just a wealth of knowledge. This is incredible. 
Well, All right. You you, I think you. I think the reason <laughs> my reasoning for what I would have guessed Warren G. Harding was for was maybe because Goodwill Hunting, and that sounds kind of similar as far as the way that the name is spelled <laughs> out. So that might have been my, you know, kind of like that's as close as I would have gotten. Uh, that's you know that's pretty good reasoning um all right question number seven john you're uh, i think you're up four to two um so. it's who was the first u.s president to be born who, who is the first u.s president to be born as an american citizen was it andrew jackson john quincy adams william henry harrison or martin van buren van buren um let's see it was Van Buren. Speed I, was I was thinking of the years. Yeah, I was thinking of the years, and Van Buren was the last one. So he was president from 1924 to, or 1824 to 1828, I believe. No, 1828 to 18. No, sorry. He's after Andrew Jackson. So that makes him 1836 to 1840. So the, I was thinking it had to be him because it makes sense. It couldn't be some of the early ones. So he, was, uh, he was he was born in Kinderhook, New York, in 1782. Yeah, which makes oh, wow. sense. Wow! All right, jetpack. Wow. That was four three. Quite a round. Four you gotta, three. You got to get. That was oh, how many? How, how yeah, many are we going? Three. I. I that's a, that's a seven game series right there. We're going. We're going. It is a seven-game series. I just really want uh, this one last question. Okay, bonus victory. Bonus question because this is one that I actually uh, knew part of the explanation to. Um, so I think I would have had a chance to get it correct if I were asked this question, which is why I want to uh, ask it up. How many presidents have died on the Fourth of July? Zero, one. Two or three? Two. Thomas Jefferson and James um, Madison died on the exact same. No. And John Adams and Thomas Jefferson died on the same day, July 4th, 1828, is it? It was 26, but that is incorrect. Oh, three. (laughs) It's got to be three. Oh, then there's there's actually someone else who died on July 4th? Who died five years later. Wow. That's wild. Charles Monroe. Oh my, oh my God! Gosh. You know, I it's kind of Monroe. I never knew Monroe died on July Fourth. That's a good one. It's kind of ironic that you could not believe in miracles, and then just like a coincidence like that of oh, you it's, it's writing the, the Declaration of Independence and then dying on that's that's unbelievable. Yeah, it's um, and and I think the fame and this is like one of those urban legends. You never know how necessarily true it is, but when Jefferson died, his last words were, "At least Adams lives." But because they didn't know it, they were right. dying and you know far apart in those days, right? There's no phones yeah. or anything. But that's the legend. I don't know how true that actually is. They died a, a few hours apart of, the, of yeah. each other. Oh yeah. man, <laughs> so sad. All right. Well, we do have to have the uh, the tiebreaker. It is tied at four four. So last question: Who was the first president to have a state car custom built to oh. Secret Service standards? Was it Lyndon B. Johnson, John F. Kennedy, Franklin D. Roosevelt, or Harry Truman? Oh, Harry Truman. It has Truman. to be Lyndon Baines Johnson after JFK got murdered. It was – who did you say, Jetpack? I said Truman. It was neither. Oh, no. Is it FDR for the – Yes, it's because FDR. Because he was disabled. 
I didn't know if they counted that because he had a special oh. card. But I wasn't yeah. sure if the Secret Service was actually around. Like, I didn't know. That's that's why. Wow. So presidents rode in stock unmodified cars until FDR's administration had a state car custom built with armor plating for the doors, bulletproof tires, inch thick windows and storage compartments for pistols and submachine guns. Oh, let's go. Initially called Old 99 in reference to a number on its first license plate. It was later nicknamed the Sunshine Special. Oh, do you have a year in which they built that? Because I wonder if that's because of World War II. (laughs) No, no, that's a good – so if you didn't know, he was disabled, right? Polio. And he he had designed himself when he was um, in Georgia recovering. He had designed a car because he could only drive with his hands. So then he used that car as president. But the way you're describing that, I wonder if that's another car that they've made for him because of World War II. I wonder. I'll have to look that up. The uh, the nineteen it was nineteen thirty nine was that car ah World War Two is starting it is in Europe but that seems early but that's interesting because Europe started you know the Nazis have invaded um so that's a good that's a good one I like that I never knew that that's uh yeah leaving you with a little bit of knowledge there John thanks for joining us that was, that was a ton amazing. of fun. that was my that was my favorite trivia by far that was, oh, I don't, thank you guys. That was that was a ton of fun. Um, make sure you check them out. The Gridiron S C H O L ninety one. So it's a shortened scholar. Um, What's the ninety one sure for? Um, that's the year, so <laughs> that's the year I graduated with my masters. All right. So I don't tell people that they don't ask, but that's why that's the year I got my masters. Nice. Right on. Awesome. Make sure you go follow him. Um, great Debbie content, great, uh, uh, fantasy content over there. Thank you so much, John, for coming on. We really appreciate you. Oh, thank you, gentlemen. It's been a blast tonight. I can't thank you enough. And anytime invite me on, I would love to help you guys. We'll definitely, definitely be having you back. Jetpack, do you want to sign us off here? Oh, we are the fantasy football astronauts and we are blasting off again. <laughs>